Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. So it's got that kind of sweet taste to it. Yeah, like it's a it's a oh, nice. Oh, that could pop. be dangerous, man. I know that it could is. Be dangerous. It's very dangerous. Okay. I love gin. God, I love gin. You gonna make it through the episode there? Or, uh... No, I won't. <laughs> no, it's gonna be a short one. That's all right. I'll. <laughs> that's all right. I'll finish it off. Oh. Marty, how you doing over there? At the so end of the many, show, two hours. Like, so many jokes. I'll finish it. Okay. Off. I'll bet you will. Don't forget so, to retry. Uh, we got a pretty. Sorry. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Again, <laughs> late. That's night. after dark. After dark. That's after yes, dark. Sir. Late yes, night, sir. Not late night. After dark. Too, too like after dark. I'm slotted into the point. file. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, we got a pretty good show for you here today. At least I think so. Anyway, I no, mean, this is garbage. I'm, I'm quite partial, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So <laughs> no one's gonna like this one. <laughs> no, no, nobody. You shouldn't listen. Or no, wait a minute. Wait a no, minute. Of course, you should. Of course, he really should. should. I know people were expecting Scotty. I don't know who those people yes. are, but some may have been. Uh, but Scotty couldn't make it today, and that's okay. Uh, we're gonna have him. We're hopefully gonna. I'm really interested. Uh, yes, this week's a good show, but next week, if we can pull off what we're talking about, would be really interesting. I feel like we've done something like that once. Did we do that last year? Well, I mean, we did it at the year end show, obviously, where we had everybody right. Well, save for a few people. Yeah, all in the same room, but uh, but I no, I mean we're we're potentially we ever had have, four hosts. We have not like so, two guests and you and I. So okay. yeah, so so we may have a foursome next week. Yes, nah, and nice be, and dirty, and that would be Scott, the <laughs> the manager of the Royals, and Mister Kamish, mm-hmm. Joel, uh, the uh, uh, president of our league, commissioner. Uh, CEO, um, COO. Scott, he kind of runs a show. Yeah, a little bit. He so knows his stuff. So we're we'll gonna say that. So we're gonna talk to everybody a, a little bit about obviously the uh, the midseason draft. What we're gonna get into uh, a little bit later in the show here. And uh, before I go any further, you know, thanks for listening, everybody, wherever you find us on your podcast. Toujours. All that Merci. good stuff. So we are we are into it now. And um, I don't know about you, Marty. I think kind of the thing that kind of I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I suppose would cu- would have caught people off guard because, I mean, unless he, you know, said it at some other media outlet, we would have known. But yeah, we're talking about McDavid and the comments he made about the shootout. Right. So I would have to fully agree with this comment. And I think it's kind of long overdue. Yeah. Um, listen, you know, and you're going to get into it a little bit here too, Marty, so I don't want to you know, steal too much of your thunder, but all good. I mean, the, 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 the shootout is all great. I mean, it, it's glorified penalty shots and, you know, guys get to try all sorts of great little moves and it, it's all well and good. But I mean, I suppose I'm a little bit more of a hockey purist and I would certainly like to see it finish in a more traditional way, if you will, uh, which would be an extended three on three. And, you know, I, I really kind of thought about this part of it all, Marty, and I'm actually okay with ties. You know what? Yeah, a tie is a tie is a tie, and yeah, you, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get all sorts of people looking at it from all sorts of different angles, and you you know you'll have uh, your bunch of people that'll say, okay, well people are gonna play for ties now. Well, I, 
I, I, yeah, I, I, su- I suppose to a certain extent, especially. But what, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Well, Playing and, for and, and a that's time, a, and that's the, and that's kind of what I'm getting to is like, for me, I mean, if I'm a player, and listen, I, I said it on the, the the podcast earlier on this year when I had a tie. I think it was against your brother earlier on the season. It's like kissing your sister. <laughs> like it's just it's, it, <laughs> like it's just it's it's not good. You know what I mean? Like, Sorry, so, I, you're saying a tie is just not good. You just don't want the tie. And, and what I mean by that is, is I would think the players would come out and they'd be like, "No, no, we don't want the tie. Like, we like win, 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 win here. Like, and especially you know this kind of young group here that's coming up. I find they got a little bit of swag. Off, you know, your your Zegrises and so on and so forth. There's a little bit of swag coming up, right? So, like, even if you institute where a tie could happen again, I don't think teams are going to play for that. And especially with three on three, like whenever it gets to three on three, I mean, I I would, I would, I don't know the numbers offhand, but I would have to think that the shootouts have definitely gone down since the the time that they were first instituted. Do you know what I mean? Where people were really playing for that, that extra point. You know what I mean? So, I I mean, I don't know. My point is, is that I don't have a problem with ties. uh, And I, and I actually don't think that there would be as many as people would think especially when it's when it's an extended three on three i mean dude how many times have, have we seen you know open ice on those three on three something's gonna happen especially if you extend it past five minutes yeah exactly now okay so refresh my memory back in the day when we did have ties was there a point for a tie in the you know yes. in the whales and the in the oh in the campbell division yeah. kind of thing ba- those years basically there was a tie yeah, you ba- got a point okay yeah basically two wins two points for a win one point for the tie there right. you go Okay, Done. and now they decided to do the penalty shot thing because they were feeling like, okay, uh, you know, one team works so hard, they deserve that extra point, that kind of bullshit, whatever. And and, and that, that's, I mean, that's from the. To put it, if we're to being put it nice for you, yeah, they they want it. They put in the shootout so that for the last two to three minutes of a hockey game, mm-hmm. people wouldn't be like playing for the tie, right? Right, right. Just playing like. So holding on to the puck or something or yeah, sort of slowing the game down. Exactly. Like, you know, they're saying, okay, let's get to overtime and that's fine. And that's fine. You know, we're going to get at least a point out of it. Everybody gets a point. There you go. So by bringing in the the shootout, now you've got that, well, they call it a loser point, right? So I mean, (laughs) you get to, and, and you get that extra point if you, if you win. And so that's been a little bit, the incentive. But to me, I mean, and it really fucks up the standings too, right? Like I, well, you look at you look uh, at the standings sometimes, and and you'll you'll have teams with you'll have teams with lesser um, records making it past, or I, sorry, with a higher seed than other than other teams. Like I've noticed over the last couple of years, with all these changes to all the rules and everything, that the standings look really weird now when you get into the playoffs, and I don't like it at all. I and this isn't I don't I don't normally hold on to the way it was and I'm not a grumpy old man. I don't necessarily live there. I I look for what's justified and what makes sense in my mind and then I, I sort of react from that. Now, what I'm going to say about the ties and this whole stuff like I didn't I know there's one element to this that it's huge for the NHL to try and grab more fans. They always want to grab more fans and they don't want to, they always want to find a way to make that make that work for them. And that's 
that's from the business side of things. There's not much we can do about that. You know, the money talks always, 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 always. And that's, it is what it is. And that's fine. But as it relates to this, as it relates to, um, (laughs) should we do something? What's wrong with just playing a game and it's a tie game and you move on with your life? Was it really this much of a problem that it was it was in the way of progress for the NHL because I don't recall it being that exactly that where there, this tie business is in our way we can't grow the game because there's ties in our league why is there this much attention to a tie I have no idea and I think it's overblown that's kind of where I'm going with this well no I mean I fully agree and like again kind of going back to the top here I mean I, I completely agree with McDavid I'd like to see it just extended three on three because I mean look do you mean to tell me that they're going to go to a lot of shootout games if there's an extension of three on three especially like and I'll t- use the Edmonton Oilers as an example when you can throw McDavid and Dreisaitl nah, no. two out of no. two Kids out over. of your three people <laughs> like it's just I mean if they don't score within the first five minutes do you mean to tell me if they extended another five that no. they're not going to score yeah. Like there's going to be very few times that 10 minutes can go by and, you know, a team like the Oilers, I, I, let's look at it this way. Oilers leaves game on a Saturday night. Right. Okay. Goes to three on three. Like, like, are you fucking kidding me? Somebody's scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially if they extend that five, like they t- you can almost basically lock it that they would score within the first five minutes or at least somebody would. Yeah. Like t- it's at least going to be exciting. That's like, Exactly. So, I mean, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to make a rule change here and we're going to extend. Okay. So it's not going to go. Like, you won't have ve- what I'm saying is you're not going to end up with very many ties. Will there be certain teams that will play a little bit more for that? I'm not saying that there won't be because there probably will be. Then but, so it's so but, be but, it. But, but so be it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, not that big of a deal. No. So, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, the question is, you know, does the, do his his words hold a fair bit of weight? And I, I I do think they do. I mean, it's the best best player in hockey. Yeah, you can argue whatever way you want. You know, <laughs> he is the best player in hockey, and he's letting you know how he feels. So you know that that kind of permeates through the rest of the league. I'm not saying necessarily every last one of them, but I mean, you got to figure it's a fairly large percentage. Yeah, and to a to a degree, you know, the entire league heard it, uh, and there's there's a there's a sense of consideration there. But again, it, it's to a degree. For as much as McDavid, yes, he's he is the best player in the NHL, and and there's a lot of weight there. Um, you know, money still talks, and the GMs are the ones that we own the teams. We're the shot. What happens? I don't know. I went Sean Connery there, but anyways, they're the ones who want. Uh, to do whatever the hell it is they want to do, so they're going to get to do it, regardless of what McDavid thinks. So there's, but there's his comment was two sided. In my opinion, he's like he says that nobody likes it. I don't think that's true. I do think there's a lot of people that actually do like it on the on the sheer fact that every once in a while you do get to see a goal that's pretty outstanding. Um, and I'll and I'll admit at the beginning, I, I've let me, I'll be frank here first, and I'll, and I'll say this up front, I've never liked it, and I still don't like it. But at the beginning, there were some pretty interesting goals. But I think what the problem is, is that eventually you run out of, you can be as creative as you want. Eventually, you start seeing the same things over and over again. And it's it's always impressive, though. Like, I think of, like, the stick handling, the, just the quick hands going back and forth. I mean, 
if you're a goalie fan and you're watching hockey because you're you love watching the goalie, the shootout is probably the most frustrating thing in the world. It's it's incredibly it's incredibly unfair to the goalie. Um, I, I don't like it for many reasons, but one of the top ones is because there's no there's no team aspect there. It's completely no. you've re- for- you've removed why we love hockey to end a game, and that makes no sense whatsoever. No, and listen, I mean, it's a skills competition to end a hockey yeah. game. And and look, uh, is it entertaining? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll Absolutely. watch the highlight. For I, sure. I, I, will, I will never take anything away from that aspect of hockey, the shootout, yeah. being entertaining. That's why we've always loved penalty it, it, shots. It, it, is it the way I love for a game to end? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. No. So... I'm. I would rather the traditional way of ending a game, and and again, you know, without beating a dead horse here, a tie is a tie is a tie, and I think you said it best, Marty. Like you just you move on, like okay, like you know, yeah. the world didn't end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So now, that's what I love I, about I, this this entire topic is is like the NHL is going to treat this like it's such a big deal that that they're considering going either back to or or worried about. Well, what do we do about the tie? Like, there's nothing to worry about, man. It's part of the game. Just fucking move on. Like you're making a mountain out of Mohill, and it's completely pointless. So just move on. Maybe we should. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you what we need to worry about, and we'll be doing that at the same time that we're moving on, and that's talking about the Seattle Kraken. Man, and my new favorite team. For, Holy shit. Well, all I have to say is fear the deep, because. <laughs> Dude, after that game against Boston, like, oh listen, 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 they had my attention. <coughs> and and, and, and yeah. I think for any, I think for any true hockey fan at this point in the season, they did have your attention. Yeah. But, but if you were lagging behind in any way, shape or form, or if you just weren't on the beat <laughs> of the Seattle Kraken, you certainly were after they go into Boston, into the TD Garden. They they don't just win the game. Oh my god! They shut them out, guy. In Boston, like, like they hadn't hey, lost listen, in man. Boston. They hadn't lost they in Boston. Had, they hadn't they hadn't lost in regulation in their regulation. Yeah. And dude, Seattle goes in there, just and and the th- the thing for me, I, I I of course I wasn't able to watch the game from start to finish, obviously, but from what I saw of that game. The best way I can explain it from my point of view, from my eye test, was business-like. <laughs> like, they walked in there, spanked them around a little bit. No, okay, bit. that's a little bit much there, but <laughs> two nothing. They, they, they gave them a little slap and then walked out. It was just like, thanks, bud. Yeah. Like, like almost as if to say, like, you just feel the Boston players almost sitting there like, what, what, what the what hell do you guys think you're doing? What was this? What, what the hell do you think? You're coming into our barn and you just, What? No, and and listen, we're gonna talk about him a little bit a little bit later. He's this. I I will uh, give it away. He's one of my <laughs> beauties this week, Martin Jones. Yeah. What what's the deal, guy? <laughs> like, what what is what is up with this? We're I, I I'm not gonna give too much more away. We'll get into some numbers a little bit later. But my God, how is this happening? I I I, I just you know what, Marty. I'm going to let you take it over because I think you've got a little bit of info to help us out with that. Before I go too crazy, you just made me realize something. No, he didn't. Okay. 
I was wondering if Jones had played with Hacksaw when he was in Philly. Because Jones was in Philly, but just last year, and that was it. Okay. And he wasn't very good. Nobody's good in Philly. No, We're just going to move on. Uh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. As a side bit, I may have to edit that out. But anyways. But at the end of the day, sorry. So, Seattle Kraken, I, I, I don't... Like, this team... When I say I'm, I might be... They might be coming up as one of my favorite teams. I'm not. In, I'm not entirely lying. Now the Oilers will forever be number one. Um, number two has always been uh, Bruins because of my father, and you know over the years just really loved the team. Bork, Nelly, uh, Cam Neely, and and all the boys, whatever. But now I, I mean, Seattle's got me, got me feeling it. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it big time, and I feel this, this victory over Boston may have put a lot of people um on notice not oh, just yeah. to the not just to the fact that this team is legit um cuz i i feel like there were there was there were they were pretty well legit before boston um but it, it was almost like legit in an unknown way the second they beat boston in boston with a shutout everybody at, at that point is unnoticed like okay hold on a second this team is flat out for real they're they're like don't fuck around with this team. You got to take them seriously. Um, but there's something there's something weird going on with this team. Like you mentioned, Martin Jones, for example. Um, like he's won 21 games this year. Um, the weird part about it, though, he's done it on the back of a sub 900 save percentage. So Peripheral that's numbers suck. Ve- yeah. <laughs> Peripheral number. Philip Grubat. Like he's an absolute stink fest just completely horrible and the team in general uh 17th in goals against um basically they're not stopping pucks so the power uh, the penalty kill is atrocious at 68 percent power play isn't helping at 21 percent um but the only thing that is on paper that adds up is their goals per game which is 3.76 so it's good for third in the league so obviously collectively this team can score uh, six players with 10 or more, four players with 12 or more, and then Mr. <clears throat> Mr. McCann is leading them with 22. So there's only three players on top of all this that have a minus this year. So it was Jaden Schwartz with a minus 10, which is weird because it's that, that minus 10 is huge compared to number two, which is Andre Burakovsky at minus two. And the rest of the team is basically all in the pluses. So it's a bit weird to see Schwartz at minus 10 because there's a like he he's he's getting top six minutes. So Near as I can tell, the main reason this team is doing as well as it is, it's because they know how to put the puck in the net against every team. And that's, that's, I guess there's something to be said for make sure you can score more goals than the other team and everything will be fine. I guess there's well, a lot to be said about that <laughs> as I a mean, strategy. He, so you folks just heard everything that Marty kind of laid on you there. A lot of, lot of numbers kind of suggesting that they... You know, let's call it what it is. They're probably a little bit more to the negative side of things, okay? Yeah. In regards to your percentages and so on and so forth. So let me put a few things into context here for you folks. On the on the other side of the ledger, if you will, those are all kind of the, the X's and O's, numbers, power plays, uh, penalty killing, and so on and so forth. Here's the line for the Seattle Kraken as a team. 42 games played, 26 wins, 12 losses, four in overtime for 56 points on the season. Their God winning damn. percentage rate, their winning percentage right now is sixth in the league at six at 0.667%. So 
God damn. Again, this just convolutes things for me that much more. And you've got a team that, again, as Marty mentioned, they're scoring goals. They have scored 158 goals this year, and they've only given up 129. Now, again, context, when I say only given up, that's kind of a a comparison to their goal goal scored. Like, there's a nice little buffer there of about what? What are we looking at here? Like 30, almost 30 goals from what they score to what they give up. Yeah, but going back to some of those numbers that you read off from Martin Jones, (laughs) you're sitting there and you're like, "Okay, what am I not understanding? Have they played a have they played an extra number of games like the Los Angeles Kings have at 46 games this year? No, they haven't. They're at 42. They actually have they actually hold four games in hand. So you're sitting there and you're trying to figure (laughs) out what in God's hell is going on with these numbers. And the only thing that I can come up with, Marty, is they are getting the saves when they need the saves. Because, I listen, some of those numbers, especially defensively and and, and, in in regards to Martin Jones, those are just not numbers that you're going to go into the playoffs with or be able to get to the playoffs with. But, Guy, I mean, if I'm looking right now at... at, uh, the standings and I'm looking at wild cards and stuff like that. The Seattle Kraken are firmly entrenched in their standings. If I'm not mistaken, they're third in the Pacific division. So you're not even really playing around with a wild card there. Apparently my internet has decided to be slow halfway through my program. But here we go. <laughs> here we go. So let me bring up, let me bring up the wild card here. And again, I think I, I believe I checked this early on today. So yeah, they're sitting in second place in the Pacific division at 56 points. They hold two games on the first place Vegas Knights with only two points behind. They're at 56 and Vegas is at 58. So, you know, they're on an eight-game winning streak. They become the first team in history to sweep Man. a seven-game road trip. I don't know if you saw that little uh, tidbit today no. on Twitter. No, no, uh, I didn't. And, uh, I don't know why the NBA was involved, but it said <laughs> NHL between the NHL and NBA, the only team to ever go through a seven-game road trip and sweep it they're on an eight game winning streak right now seattle seattle is on a heater this team is a wagon right now like i i don't know how they're doing it but the only thing i can come up with is it's not how you start it's how you finish and they're finishing these games in the win column and again when you look at those numbers from martin jones the only thing that i can come up with marty is he is giving them and you hear it all the time from from analysts especially goaltending analysts if you can get that save at the right time, that's all yeah. you need. Yeah, it, it, it I mean, goes a long way. I I so, was thinking maybe there was something to uh, some deeper analytics. So I, I thought maybe maybe they're shooting the puck more uh, than they're allowing against, and maybe they're one of the better shooting teams in the league. Maybe they have a lot of shots. Like, well, no, <laughs> the theory didn't pan out. Um, okay. Seattle's near the bottom with. 29.81 shots per game, whereas the top is at 35. So it, there's not a big discrepancy between top and bottom, but mm. let me just tell you that they're at the bottom with your San Jose's, your Flyers, your Red Wings, your Ducks. Blues are in there too. Your Blue Jackets, Canadians, Blackhawks, and Coyotes. They're not in good company. Certainly not to suggest that this team should be right close to the very, very top, although I'm looking right now, and the Winnipeg Jets are just above them too. So it's interesting. It's an interesting category. But then so then you're like, okay, well, then it's got to be a shots against. Even though you know their defense is terrible, 
maybe at the very least they're not letting them shoot it enough. And you know what? They're actually pretty good at shots against. They're allowing less shots. They're at 27.88 per game. Whereas the worst team in the league, which is Anaheim, is at 38.81. Seattle is actually one of the best teams in the league for shots against. They're actually one, two, three, four. They're in much better company. Carolina, New Jersey, Calgary, Toronto, and the Kings. The Kings are in this category too. We'll talk about the Kings some other week, I think. But the Kings are in this. We've talked about them before too and how it's a bit of a mystery as to why their, their record is as good as it is. I think we, we have to start considering when it comes to like the Seattle Krakens and the Los Angeles Kings. There's an element to this that is um, the save, right save at the right time which to me translates to there's a bit of luck behind them this year. That's what I'm thinking that's going. I, I mean, you can't really quantify luck. Where is the luck coming from? What is it for? Uh, who is it for? Can you can you bank on it? No, none of that stuff. Can't really answer any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't know how you explain a record of 26-12-4 given the fact that last year they flipped that. They were 12-26 and 26 at the same time. So I don't know how they're really doing it other than at the very least, I can see that they're not letting them shoot as much as they're shooting. So at least you can control the play there. Maybe that's where the analytics live, is that they control the play. Well, I mean, the only other thing that you can really kind of grab from uh, any kind of like solid black and white numbers as well. Again, going back to them being able to score, they have scored 158 goals this year, which is tied for second in the league yeah. with, the Buffaloes, with the Buffalo Sabres. And again... Yes, when we're talking about their defensive game, folks, like, listen, it's not it's not exactly where you would want it to be, especially with the position that you see them in. But when you look at league wide, their 129 goals against has them sitting literally midway pack. They are 16th in the league. So it's not like this. It, it's not like their goals against is cratering. So they're they're very much able to withstand any kind of, um, I guess really going back to Martin Jones, any kind of deficiencies goaltending wise, because they do seem to be able to put that puck in the net at a fairly decent rate. So I mean that's another. I mean when it does come down to it, that's probably your biggest black and white number is the fact that yes, yeah. defensively they're not great. Okay. Yeah. But they're also when you compare league wide. They are middle of the pack. So yep. is it costing them some games? Perhaps. I would have to probably go as far as saying yes, as well as that goaltending. But when you start putting these guys into a category that you have them above uh, teams like uh, Dallas, <laughs> uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple like they're 11 goals ahead of the Maple Leafs with two games in Ooh. hand. Think so of it this just, way. With like, the same amount of games... They're only two goals behind Boston, and with three games in hand, they're only six behind Edmonton. Edmonton, with McDavid so and Dreisaitl, six behind with three games in hand. They average so, almost I mean, four games, uh, four goals a game. They're going to leapfrog Edmonton. If, if Edmonton was to stop playing right now and Seattle, you give Seattle those three games, they're going to leapfrog them by a lot of goals. They're, Seattle, in theory, is the best goal-scoring team in the NHL right now. Well, you can certainly make the argument for it. I mean, they're right there. And again, yeah. like you said, they have three games on the Oilers. I mean, all you got to do is put up, what, a couple of goals, two, three goals. Do your I mean, average. The been, and the way, do they, your... exactly, the way they've been going, it's going to be even more than that. So yeah. it, will be, it will be interesting to see how 
this plays out the rest of the year because you do have to figure with those numbers, especially, I, I won't go so much team-wise, but it, if those numbers continue goaltending-wise, I, I, is it going to cost them a playoff spot? I won't go that far. No. But is it going to start to pull them down a little bit? Yes, I would say so. I, I don't think that those numbers, those peripheral numbers that Jones has, I mean, obviously his win-loss record is ridiculous. Like that, that that's super positive when you look at the black sure. and white of it. But that's but the, the team. That's not necessarily him. Telling, well, it, exactly. So those peripheral numbers are telling you a little bit of a different story in particular about his performance. So if that continues that way, it will certainly drag him down to a certain extent out of the playoff picture. I don't know if I'm going to go that far because, yeah. again, like you kind of set off the top of your spiel here, Marty. There's just a little bit of a feeling going on right now with this team, too. And yeah. you can kind of feel the swell right now. I mean, eight-game winning streak. Like, I don't haven't lost this year. Be... I know. That's, like, I, I don't awesome. know what could that be going awesome. on. Uh, other than, you know, a little uptick in those numbers goaltending-wise, I really don't see what could be going on right now. And just a little side note, and I believe you're going to be talking about them later, loving, loving the Vince Dunn right now. Oh, oh man yeah i'll i'll save my comments about Dunn yeah, later yeah, yeah, because yeah, i do yeah, have them but right yeah after. definitely definitely now <laughs> one thing i do want to uh, oh do i mention it no you know what i think i mentioned it later too yeah okay it's not a big deal one thing that i so there here's a question for you are they buyers or sellers you know what? I, i'm gonna be honest with you i think this is one of those situations where um probably oh, sorry, a buyer, sorry. Uh, what I meant, to, not sellers, because obviously you don't sell. What I meant to say was, are they buyers or status quoers? <laughs> well, I think overall they should probably stick around the status quo. I don't know if I'd be like, you know, giving up second rounders. I mean, this this at the end of the day is still no. a team that's that wants to kind of line the cupboards, you know, even more. Uh, you know, have that yeah. much of a swell coming up be, behind uh, the players that they have in the lineup right now. Yeah. Um, but Listen, I mean, if they're firmly in the playoffs, and what I mean by that is, you know, I could see them kind of dipping a little bit here in the second half. So let's say uh, first wild card, maybe they fall to third in the Pacific. However, this shakes out, you know, I might be a buyer on the fringes. Maybe if I can get myself something that really, uh, you know, helps me out, you know, maybe in a defensive capacity uh, on the third line. If I can get somebody who can, you know, kind of change uh, a game momentum on a fourth line, perhaps, uh, you know, maybe there is some sort of a, a little deal that they can uh, put together in regards to a second line player. But I don't know if I would really go much more than that. Like I'd probably do more along the lines of fringes kind of kind of thing, third, fourth line. I don't know if I'd really want to give up anything that could that could potentially, especially with this draft coming up too, right? I mean, we talked about that True. over the past few weeks where this is going to be a bit of a deep draft. And I mean, you're hearing a lot of the um, uh, draft pundits say that, you know, a lot of first rounders or late first rounders are going to end up kind of dipping to the second round here and filtering into the second round. So, you know, maybe those, there's a nice second round pick that you can kind of hit on. So I don't know if I'd go too far if I'm, if I'm the Kraken. But, I mean, obviously, especially with uh, Ronnie Francis down there, he knows what he's doing. He built up that Carolina team to basically what it is now. And, and I mean, the, the gang that's there, Waddell and the gang that's there are kind of taking advantage of it now. But, uh, he, you know, he's doing the same thing slowly but surely through the draft with the Kraken again. And I just don't know if he's going to want to kind of deviate too much away from that. 
here's here's what I would do if I were them. Just because it, because you're you're in a good spot and you could you could look at locking up somebody. Excuse me, long term. Um, and I'm trying to pull this up as quickly as I can. Next year's um, uh, next year's class of uh, free agent goalies. So I'm trying to pull up here. So you're looking at Quick, Farlamov, uh, oh Ben Bishop, <laughs> Frederick Anderson, uh, Jonathan Bernier. There, oh Tristan Jerry. What I'm, I think you can tell what I'm getting at. Like go out. And find a goalie because you've got 22 million in cap space. Seattle does. Um, you can go out and you can get yourself that a that one that a one not one a that a one goalie for this year for this run. Go find a goalie who needs a different environment. John Gibson, maybe maybe that's the, maybe that's the ticket right there. He's been everyone's been talking about trading him for years. Anaheim, obviously still in a rebuild, uh, taking a huge step back this year, unfortunately. Um, maybe you free him up, but that's to me, that's, that's the only place you should really look at doing much of anything. Cause like you said, you, you want to stock the cupboards. You don't, you don't need to go out and, and do too much because this is obviously the chemistry is working in this club. So you don't want to mess that up too much, but if you can bring in a goalie, that can ensure the back, like Martin Jones, keep winning your games. Uh, you're going to lose a little bit of playing time, obviously, if you go out and you get an, an A1 goalie, but you're going to be the backup goalie that deserves every minute of it. And you might even get a split for a little while just because, who, depending on who they get. But let's be frank here. Martin Jones, your save percentage is under 900. Does the rug get pulled out underneath from him and subsequently the entire team as a result of that? Do you miss the playoffs because of it? Did you have an opportunity to go get a goalie and ensure that you're not just this year, but for the next few years, because a lot of your players have decided to turn it on now. Uh, maybe this is where you thought all these players would be, but in two or three years from now, but it's happening now. Maybe now you can bank on this and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's the move that you go out and you do. Because again, relying on Grubauer, forget it. Uh, relying on Jones, I, I think... It's a ticking time bomb with Jones. I don't think this lasts because the, the proof is already there. Even at 276 goals against, his average there, not great either. That's hovering way too close to three to be able to lean on that much longer, never mind the playoffs. So that would be my move. I would be actively on the phones for that move. No, I mean, they're, they're going to eventually have to figure out that goaltending situation. I mean, for sure. Now... I think the big issue is that Grubauer selling for quite a number of years yet. If I'm not mistaken, this is year two of six. I think it is. I think uh, so, I'd yeah. have to go and have to double check that, but I do believe he signed the six year uh, with them. So, I mean, you got to kind of try and get that out of the way as well. But like you're saying, there is space to make things happen. Um, you know, is there another team that would want to take on Grubauer's contract? I highly doubt it. So I think yeah. you're kind of a little bit stuck with that. Well, but I mean, again, we've seen things, uh, you know, finagled and moved around and the whole nine yards, especially when it comes to GMs wanting to get out of contracts. So yeah. God knows what they can make happen. But you know what? Yeah. On on the overall, this team is is in a good spot. Um, so, you know, you know what? Like ride, ride the wave right now. <laughs> yeah, ride, exactly. ride what's going on. I mean, I'm sure that the, the, I'm yeah, I'm sure those those fans are more than pleased with what's going on right now. 
and you know what like good on them because they deserve it it was this a tough fine. year last year yeah exactly i mean i'm sure they're they're living it up and they're and they're loving it now yeah. i will say this i don't believe that this next team that we're going to talk about oh. is living it up at all right now yeah. i think things are a little bit dicey yeah i think they're still going to make the playoffs i do think they will i'll say yeah. that right away yeah okay but but we are talking about the Colorado Avalanche. And it's kind of funny to be even having this discussion in the first place. However, with the team, the, the team has been hit with numerous injuries all year. I mean, Landis Cog hasn't played no. a minute. Uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon has been out for a time. Uh, you, I mean, you're not getting production out of a Devin Taze like you were before. Uh, and the Shushkin's been out. So, I mean, kind of pick your poison a little bit, whatever way you want to go there. Yeah. But we are kind of getting to an area or a window, whatever way you want to look at it, where we can start to ask ourselves, could they miss it? Again, me personally, I think that they will get in. I think they will go on a run. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Landis Cog is coming back right about any time now. It was right around mid-February. I think we mentioned kind of mid-Feb to end of Feb. Uh, sorry, mid-Jan to end of Jan. So okay. it, it's coming around here, I would say, over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, you don't want to continue, you know, fully bank on Landis Cog coming back to get you the promised land here. But, you know, that, that's certainly going to help. And it's certainly going to slot people a little bit better uh, um, in regards to where they should be in the lineup. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's definitely been some some hiccups along uh, in the get along here for the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, another one is probably Alex Newhook. They were probably hoping he was going to take, you know, it, it got his not to become an 85 point player, but I'm sure they were hoping this was going to become the somewhat of a 65 point guy here, uh, you know, yeah. kind of take a next small step in his development. So yeah. it's I mean, more than what he's doing anyways. Well, yeah, exactly. Like and I mean, you know, you're still getting some things aren't um, um, as bad as they seem, right. especially when you take a look at some of the numbers. I mean, they do have some games, uh, quite a few games in hand on some teams. So there, there is that, but I mean, we're, we're getting to an area where we're going to start needing to put some, some runs together and it can't <laughs> be as inconsistent as it has been in the first half of the season. So I don't know, Marty, what do you, what are your thoughts on this, man? Well, one thing that come that jumps out to me when it comes to Colorado is they've got 13 regulation wins. So out of their 21, 13 of those are in regulation, and then combined they've got 18 regulation wins uh, in overtime. So that's hope. Um, they're doing they're doing everything they can to stay in games as long as they can. Uh, 13 is not a whole lot when you're comparing teams above them. I'm looking at 20s and. Uh, 22, 21, like they're, they're on the bottom tier of that. Even St. Louis and Nashville have won more games in regulation than they have, but it's only by one. Um, so what I'm getting at is obviously the injury bug has been an issue for them. Um, I think the bug has actually affected the team entirely. Uh, that's why you're seeing lower numbers in terms of production out of your tays, out of your new hooks, um, Players that were supposed to, you know, take another step this year, all that's been put on hold because of the injuries. And it's almost like once these guys start coming back, now you've got 
now you've got to give them that leeway that you were going to give them at the beginning of the season to allow them to find their place that you were hoping to get them in terms of offense. Uh, these players, it, it's like, I feel like there's it's chaos. In, in the terms of like, again, the injuries are just screwing up all their fucking plans that they had. Everything, mm-hmm. they, had a, they had a game plan they were going to do this and everything was going to fall in place. All these injuries really pushed all that shit to side. Now they're treading water. Now they're just trying to figure out how to survive, how to get there. And that's that's all they can do. Should they get there? By the time they get there, it suggests that everyone will be healthy enough and everything will be clicking, hopefully. But that's a lot of hoping. Um, I don't think there's anything they can do. I don't think there's moves involved in this team whatsoever. I don't think that's the right way to go about this at all. I think the the best thing for this team for this year is to hope they get it together and to hope that they get it together at the right time and start to have a little bit of good luck go their way. Because it's not like you're it's it's not like you know Rantanen's having a career year. McKinnon's doing McKinnon things. McCarr's playing well. Um, even Lekkinen for our, like for for to a lesser degree, twenty nine and thirty eight may may not jump out at you, but he, it's ser- serviceable. Things are happening. Rodriguez, I'm a little disappointed in. I thought there'd be more of an uh, influx of talent by him coming over. Like that was going to be really nice for them. Uh, Valerie Nishuskin, I know another one with a lot of injuries this year, kind of been struggling a little bit back and forth. But you know, sixteen points in fifteen games means he's playing well. So there's a lot to hold on to. There's a lot to bite into. But it's in the end, it all translates to hope. Hopefully, everyone's clicking at the right time. Hopefully, there's enough time to to do all of this. But in the end, I think the hole that they've dug themselves in is so deep. Not that they dug themselves into it. It's the hole that they fell into. Um, and it's so deep. It is so hard to climb out of this hole. Um, and the NHL is such a difficult, you know, in a sense, thank, thankfully, it's no disrespect, but thankfully they're in the Western um, because they're right now they're competing with Edmonton and Calgary, uh, I guess, to a lesser extent, Minnesota. Uh, it's funny to say that because above them is Los Angeles and Seattle, but no, they're battling with Minnesota, Calgary, Edmonton, and, and it's Colorado. And then you got St. Louis in there and Nashville as well. So it's all, it's basically within one, two, three, four, five teams for the last few spots in the playoffs. So they actually have a good chance because of the divi- the conference that they're in. Um, but God, man, I hopefully they can figure something out that's more consistent than what's happened throughout the year. Well, I mean, and, and it's, what's kind of funny is earlier on this week, you know, I'm kind of uh, farting around on Twitter and there's a, a question in regards to the Edmonton Oilers. True or false, would the Edmonton Oilers make the uh, uh, 2023 playoffs. Yeah. And first and foremost, I fully stated on our two like account that it was me speaking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Second, <laughs> secondly, secondly, I did say that it is false that I do think the Edmonton Oilers will slip out of the playoffs. And a little bit of that reason is because it, well, yeah, a little bit of it has to do with Colorado. Uh, an, another part of it has to do with Nashville and the fact that they do have some man games on the Oilers. Yeah. And 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 the thing for me about Edmonton and the reason why I said they wouldn't is is the fact that they're all, you know, you got the top the top guys are having career years and you, you got to figure that's going to to a certain extent it's going to fall off a smidge, right? And and I kind of 
I'm, I say all this because I kind of feel it's the other way around a little bit with Colorado where, you know, they've had so much uh, tough luck in regards to the injuries and, and, you know, and, and some of these players maybe not hitting that next target or that next step in their development. Yet here they are just kind of lurking. Like this is, they are just lurking in the weeds, this team right now. Like, you know, obviously at the start of the year, they had that trip over to uh, Finland, I believe it was. So there was a couple of weeks there where they, I think they played maybe two games or, you know, three games in total in like 14 days. So yeah. you kind of see, you can kind of see where they're going to have a, a little bit of a runway here to, um, uh, to take a run here in, in, in the second half. Uh, yeah. Having said all of that, uh, they are st- in their last 10 games, they are struggling three, six and one. So, you know what? Yeah. Yes. I, un- yes, I understand. They had a big win against the senators last night. And I certainly hope that that was a kind of that confidence, uh, building win or, uh, team building win, w- whatever way they can, uh, they can look at it. I-, I certainly hope that that's the start of something because, uh, you know, again, like, like we're saying off the top here, <clears throat> we're, we're getting to a close area here where, you got to start to wonder: Are they going to have enough room to be able to take this and 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 run with it here in the second half? So, you know, do, do they have the team to do it? Obviously, they've got the experience as well, uh, the know-how, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But now you got to be able to go out there and do it. It's all well and good to have it on paper and the whole nine yards, but now they literally in black and white have to go out and win hockey games. So, yeah. we're going to find out what this team's kind of made of here. And uh, you know, the interesting part. Uh, or the caveat to all of this, obviously, <clears throat> is that they are without guys like Kadri. Uh, you know, they're without guys like uh, Darcy Kemper. And listen, I'm not saying Darcy Kemper is a world beater here, folks, but he was giving you the type of goaltending, you know, what Edmonton's been wanting the past couple of years, what uh, what the <laughs> what the Avalanche needed, was, which was just, you know, some, the type of goaltending that, you know, can, can win you the hockey games or can at least steal one for you here once in a while. So... Uh, it's going to be an interesting second half for sure. Um, both when you look at at it from a point of view of the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers, but you know, sticking with the Avalanche here, uh, it, it's time to get the motor running. It's time to get things going. I think the seven nothing win against Ottawa is a direct reaction to the three two loss in the previous game to Chicago. Um, yes. I think that's that's clearly. I don't know if there was a team meeting. Um, I would imagine, because when you lose 3-2 to literally the team that has basically done everything but come out and said it in plain English, we are tanking for Bedard. Um, we are putting out the worst possible team that we can think of legally. <laughs> um, when you lose 3-2 and you're the defending champs and you lose to that team, and this is after also losing to one very struggling team, Florida, and another uh, struggling team behind that too, Vancouver. So those are three losses to teams that you absolutely should have won. Colorado needs to turn a corner. Now, the, the good thing is I do see some nice numbers in that they've got 125 goals for and 118 against. I don't think this team is struggling in the way of goaltender. I think going out, I, I the thing is, is I know, I know Darcy Cumper gave them exactly what they needed uh, obviously it worked out everything was fine but going out and getting alexander georgiev is actually in my opinion better i think he's better than Kumper. It not necessarily in a direct one versus one kind of thing but 
I think for what Colorado can do moving forward, because he was signed to, was it a three-year or a five-year? I have no idea. I should have figured uh, out. Uh, Georgiev was a three-year. Three-year, okay. I think there's a lot of, I think, especially because he's young too. Like it's such a smart pickup. When I when I saw that, I was like, oh geez, that's the kind of thing I would do in our fantasy hockey league. It's a young goalie with a lot of promise, but still has some some things to prove. And he's ex- and he's proving exactly that. Nine fourteen save percentage, two seventy five goals against. It's not jumping out of the page, but he's got two shutouts. Um, but he's night in and night out, absolutely giving them a reason to win. But more importantly, is not necessarily at any point one glaring reason why they're struggling absolutely not you can't put this on goaltending so i see this as being just again some really shitty luck some bad timing on things and and you know injuries like and i they they have the capacity to be just fine they have the capacity to be uh, a serious threat for the cup again but it's the the team game is just not there right now and i don't know what it'll take I have no idea. Maybe just this break, uh, the NHL All-Star break coming up. Maybe that's all they need. They just need the entire team to just take hit pause and then come back and regroup, start the second half, and go out full pin because you've got, you've got some of the best players in the world playing on your team, so you can do it. Well, I'm going to tell you what, bud. We're going to take bad. our break. Oh. We're going to get ready for our second half, and we're going to have a nice little ditty from our sponsor, DraftKings. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot on an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I'll be keeping an eye on my New York Giants and my boy Danny Dimes as we take on divisional rival Philadelphia Eagles. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, folks, and we are back with Check Check. My Fanny. Bye. it's terrible i'm loving it i'm loving it. i'm gonna have to have you send some recordings over it's beautiful beautiful (laughs) so uh, just before the break we were talking about uh you know the second half and uh teams kind of reloading and getting ready for for their second half of the season we're kind of doing the same in our cfhl we've got our mid-season draft starting tomorrow um obviously uh our standings at the end of this evening uh are are going to determine uh those selections tomorrow and by looking at the scores here it certainly seems like we can kind of put two and two together and i think we can safely go ahead and i i think mention how the draft order is so marty why don't you uh why don't you go ahead and uh and let us know what's going on 
shockingly, the Pondhogs are taking number one overall. Did oh, you see that coming? Lord. Did I did not you know see what? that coming. a little bit surprising. Kind of caught up on me. <laughs> uh, then we're going to follow that up with uh, the Cougars, uh, the Demons. Didn't see the Demons third. Uh, uh, like, had you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would not have guessed the Demons to be where they are. Um, did not see this uh, <laughs> rebuild coming in like a, a fifth of the way into the season kind of thing. Um, then we got the Dragons, uh, who you're welcome. You will have my oh, pick. Thank, um, thank you. Appreciate it. You have one <laughs> coming later. The, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. I had to go and beg, so, borrow, and so, steal for that one, but whatever. Oh, okay. So. Uh, then we got the Demons via the Buccaneers uh, in fifth. Royals in sixth. Pawn Hogs via the Dragons uh, seventh. It's funny how that works out for you. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I will take up the rear. Huh? Uh, no, I'm um, in eighth. Brigands. That's an after dark again. <laughs> Via the apocalypse. Uh, just because, just recently, just from the trade recently, that uh, six-player trade, and I believe it was 48 million picks involved. So not bad. Yes. Yep. I, I, 48 million. Yes, I do just believe you're correct there. Just shy. Yeah. Just shy. Just shy. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it's it's going to be interesting uh, going into the midseason here uh, to see how the uh, rebuilding slash retooling teams um uh kind of deal with things and then we'll see what the uh what some of the contending teams come up with here in the first round uh Mm -hmm. will be interesting obviously to see how the uh how the apocalypse kind of come out of this whole uh situation i mean obviously they don't have a first or second round he uh he decided to you know obviously go all in on on saros for sure and add some uh some stability with the goaltending but we'll see how it all works out he still has a great team I'm pretty sure he'll be able to get some some nice fillers that he needs in the third, fourth round, whenever that, you know, whenever we get to those uh, those later rounds. But uh, again, it will be interesting to see. It's something that I, I kind of noticed over the uh, the course of the uh, the week here after your big trade uh, last <laughs> Sunday. So, but uh, but yeah, the other uh, the other interesting point for sure was uh, I believe in twenty five twenty six, um, Joel I think has the earlier of the two picks uh, in the first round, and I kind of did a little bit of digging and I believe he may be keeping his eyes on a youngster by the name of Michael Misa, uh, who will be, uh, who will be uh, eligible uh, that year for the uh, entry draft in 2025. So we'll see if that is, uh, is who's kind of targeting supposed to be uh, quite the player 15 years old and doing quite, uh, quite well in, in uh, Saginaw, if I'm not mistaken in the OHL. What I'm interested in seeing for this year's mid midseason, because this midseason means a lot to both uh, rebuilding teams and contending teams. It's kind of a very important spot to be in right now. I'm interested in seeing how many of the rebuilding teams will be going out and getting players knowing full well those players are trade chips uh, to be traded to contending teams later. How much of this is going to be cock blocking and how much of this is going to be I'm rebuilding for now? Because it's a midseason, right? These rebuilding teams can pick out players that are are very good, but in the NHL right now um, and doing things right now. So there's that that list isn't necessarily that long, whereas the list of players who are potentially overachieving or just achieving as expected and there was no room on anybody's roster, those are trade chips. Those are players that these contending teams really want to get. And if you're going to go out and you're going to, like I said, cock block me on that, <laughs> then I'm going to have to come after you and overpay for that. 
I want I'm that I feel that is going to be a strategy used by more than one GM this year in this in this midseason. This this is the first time I'm at sorry, not the first time. This is the most invested in a midseason that I've ever been. Well, I mean, from my point of view, I I yes, I'm I'm sure that there is obviously that option for those teams at the top of the draft to take that angle and say, okay, well, listen, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to grab, say a, um, a Linus Allmark or uh, a Josh Morrissey, you know, top defenseman out there, top goaltender out there, and then try and, and use that for, for other assets. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I would caution about that is, you know, especially I would say over the past couple of years, you've really seen a, an uptick in first, first round picks being traded. Mm-hmm. Um, those contending teams willing to go deeper in their draft pick cachet, if you will. And what I specifically mean by that is going back further in years, like, uh, you know, there, there used to be a time in our, in our draft or in our league where, you know, yeah, you, you may have a guy say, okay, uh, you know, I'll trade you this pick and it, it's a pick that's three years out. It didn't have for, for the longest time, it, we wouldn't really be looking at picks so, so far out, but, now with with contending teams want, wanting to load up so bad and you know again we've seen it in particular last year and, and this year again we we've started to see it once again where you know there's an arms race again right and those contending teams are just continuously going out there i mean marty how many times over the past i want to say six weeks seven weeks have we talked about trades whether you know be uh, all the way back from zabinajad and i know that he's been traded from joel sense to you but i mean there's another example right like just moving parts for working on another trade right now no i just just, that's what i just did (laughs) like it's nuts it's like those those contending teams are just willing to do anything and i mean you're probably a pretty good example in particular with your first round picks you've decided to go pretty deep uh here over the next two three four years even where you're giving up some pretty high picks for for what you need or what you're looking for and it's just the way it's come about over the past couple years we're willing to do that Mm-hmm. So that brings me right back to the start of this conversation where I would caution against maybe taking that um, uh, approach and no, Jason and Ryan and Tom, I'm not pleading for you to let guys drop. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am <laughs> saying is what I'm saying is if you go out and get that player, if they go out and get Allmark, if they go out and, and get Morrissey, well, are the chances of them being able to trade trade them pretty good? Not bad. I mean, I'd have to say they're probably creeping up to 50%. But depending on what their ask is back for some of those assets, and again, if they do decide to go that way, then they've got you by the balls a little bit. So a little you're going to have to spend. And with the way some even depending... Sorry, I was just going to say, even if, because I know at the beginning stages, I did say that we're going to have to pay through the teeth in order to to make the, the trade happen. That's maybe how it starts. But if you see no one's willing to bite, then who cares? Your season's already into the rebuild. Who cares? This player yeah. was literally gotten to get an extra asset in a trade. Then that's what you go and get. It doesn't matter where it is. You can start high, but you can land low, and it doesn't make a lick of difference. You just went out and got yourself a second trade or a second, sorry, a, another um, uh, a pick later round, early round. It doesn't matter anymore because you're in rebuild. So all those picks are what you care about the most, not uh, an all mark because you're not going to protect them anyways. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. 
<coughs> so what you're saying is kind of, you know, go out and you, you would be looking at it more the other way and you'd say, go out and get those guys. And even if it isn't the second or the third that you're looking for, and it's more of a, let's say fourth or fifth, you're just saying, Hey, listen, go out and, and grab those assets that you're looking for, for what you're trying to do. Sorry. I'm, Am I'm I still, Oh man. Oh, 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 folks. I believe, I'm hot. I, I believe know. my co-host is oh. deep and I mean it, deep in negotiations. I, I'm, what I'm going to say is I was closer than I thought. I, I was taking a shot. I'm like, I, I would love the, I, I love the idea of announcing a trade live on the show. So I threw I threw it out there because I'm looking for we're going back and forth. It's been a while. I haven't heard anything in a little while, so I just threw it back out there, and along the lines of you know close. So I'm like, oh okay. So let me. I just sent something else now. Maybe it got me a little bit closer. So we'll keep going. But I hate to, I hate to do this, but at the same time I love to do it because it's it's all part of the business. It's all part of the game, right? Always working always trying to get a deal done and this would be hey, that like oh man that oh that'd be hey, listen i mean i was trying to get a trade done with scott today there i thought maybe we'd be able oh, to get scott, us on yeah. and yeah yeah we'll start well, yeah, hey we'll, we'll it's not going to go anywhere as as for what scott said through text earlier oh shit so, okay. so certainly not going to be going anywhere but hey okay i had to make i had to uh do my due diligence and make always. my effort for the mid-season that's the way you got to do it you got to you always got to be running your business running your show right so absolutely so that so that's the deal here i mean the big big moves uh that are going to come up here either during the uh the uh mid-season draft uh or uh afterwards uh, i'm sure we'll start to see an influx of trades here over the next little bit for sure it's it's been a good season for it all on its own. So even if no other trades happen, it's we're already. Does Joel? Yeah. Do you know if do you or Joel ever keep track of all the trades in a year? Do, I'm sure it'd be easy to not. Sorry, I shouldn't. Sorry, I should not say easy, but I would have to imagine there's a way for us to be able to kind of. Uh, I know that they archive our league every year on the website, so I'm sure there's right. a way we could probably go back and figure something out um okay. since they do archive it but i don't know how that wouldn't we would necessarily go about that during that particular year you can go back into uh this won't mean anything too, too much to our viewers but marty to you obviously in our uh our uh the feed on the website the uh cfhl right. website you can just keep going back into there and you'll see just basically any trades basically any transactions that were made throughout the whole year so yeah. it's lengthy to get through but you can do it that way too Ah, and we will probably it. edit that out. <laughs> no, no, we'll keep it all in. I just, uh, Joey, you do it. I, I don't want it. <laughs> now, you know what? After talking about our league and kind of getting all that over with, I think it's time for us to get into the beauties and the beast for the week here, man. Let's do let's the beauties. Let's and start the beast. sinking our teeth right into this. So, you know I what? I like it. We, uh, we had to make a small uh, uh, amendment to our, our show notes. Uh, late in the game here without Scott coming on. We had to fill in some Beauties and the Beast as we were only going to go one and one each uh, so that we weren't going over uh, two, two and a half hours here with some Beauties and the Beast. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, we've got our usual slate of three Beauties and one Beast each. So let's rip right through this. And you know what? I'm going to start off with somebody who I'm a little surprised we haven't talked about uh, yet this year. But you know what? David Krejci, six foot 192. He's a 36-year-old uh, centerman. 36 games played, 11 goals, 20 assists for 31 points, plus seven in just a little over 17 minutes, 17.09 uh, time on ice per night. With this guy, for me, 
he becomes super important, obviously, in daily fantasy without question. Uh, I would have to imagine he's probably been picked up at this point and kept on a certain <laughs> team. But if he is out there, he is definitely going to be a great injury replacement, that's for sure. Uh, the guy's at uh, 0.84 points per game right now, so kind of in a nice little area for you. But the more important thing for me, and going back to how Boston has played this whole year, with him coming back after being a year away, we talk about it so much, Marty, whenever it comes to the slotting of players into their into spots and just having it kind of placed the way it should be placed. And by bringing him back, you're just adding so much depth, so much experience. I mean, none of this can be underrated. He's got playoff experience up the wazoo on top of oh, that. Yeah. Like, so for me, the reason why I've got this guy as a beauty this week is he, the guy's just coming in, getting the business done. I mean, he's almost just under a point per game uh, in my eyes, 31 points in 36 games. I mean, at that age, you got to be pretty goddamn happy with that production. Yeah. Still a, still a plus player. I mean, you're not asking for this guy to put up 20, 21 minutes here. So you are able to kind of keep him a little bit fresher throughout the year. And they have been giving him a little bit of time off here and there throughout the year as well. But the biggest thing for me is he just places everybody a little bit better in that lineup. You know, now you've got uh, a guy like a Jake DeBrusque is learning off some, a guy like that. I mean, I believe on the uh, Hockey Night in Canada broadcast the other day, they were talking about the Bruins' third line. Uh, and I think that was Zaka, Taylor Hall, and uh, uh, Trent Frederick. So, I mean, when you've got a guy like Hall, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's won an MB league MVP. He's on your third line. And I mean... Let's call it what it is. He's happy to be in that team concept. I mean, this is a guy that's willing to play his role in the whole bit. So uh, you, you just can't go wrong with with him and the way he slots into that lineup. And if you know, if you're looking for somebody, and again, probably much more in a daily fantasy because of the fact that you know he is a little bit older and there is a little bit of an injury history there. Uh, you know, but really, either way, whether it's a head-to-head -head or fan daily fantasy. He's well worth it, worth it to get into your lineup, that's for sure. Um, yeah, 100%. As for Martin Jones, we spoke about him a little bit earlier. I won't go yeah. over too many of the uh, the numbers or details. I know you uh, really hit the nail on the head with that earlier, Marty. But again, like, what what's going on with this guy? Like, no matter which way you look at it, I mean, the guy is, has been getting the job done. Like, I mean, there's been a goaltender in that crease. More than not, it's been Martin Jones this year for Seattle. And there's you can go onto the NHL website and you can see it in black and white. Like the numbers are there. The, his his personal numbers aren't great. But in regards to the team's success, I mean, you're talking about a team that's 26 and 12 right now, Marty. Like whatever way you want to slice it, whatever way you want to dice it, it's they're getting the job done. So, you know, yes, you could certainly sit there and say that, Martin Jones is getting a ton of run support from this uh, lineup, and he is. But again, like you can't sit there and 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 you know bend it to to the way you want it to look. It is what it is. <laughs> this team is doing well. They're situated very well in regards to a playoff spot. Yes, again, we're gonna beat this like a dead horse this episode. But the numbers aren't great. But irregardless. Look at the team numbers. Look at where that team is in the standings. So, yeah. and guys, and guys, the, the, the thing of it is, 
for me, the, the, the added little bonus is they actually have some games in hand in regards to some of the clubs that they're, they're right around in the standings with or that they're challenging with or fighting with. And they're in a really, really good spot. Like Marty was saying earlier, I do think, and, and myself as well, I do think that there could be some potential ads here. I think they're smaller ads, but I do think they'll go out and they'll take a look. Uh, if there's something a little bit bigger that fits into what they can do or what they want to do, maybe that's something that can uh, come to fruition as well. But you just got to take it for what it is right now. Positive or negative, you know, numbers, great, not great. It is what it is. And he deserves to be in, in the beauties. I mean, he's just getting the job done no matter which way you look at it. Uh, speaking of getting the job done, um, and I have, I have to say I'm super pleased I picked this guy up uh, you know, for the stretch run here in the second half of our CFL, CFHL season. I'm talking about Nick Ehlers. Uh, he just came back from a, I believe, a sports hernia injury. Uh, so again, okay. I mean, look, you got a, you got a six foot, 172 pound guy, 26 years old, seven games played three goals, eight assists for 11 points. He's a plus two and he's playing just under 17 minutes at 1658 time on ice per night. I mean, look, injuries cost dealer most of the year so far, but the guy's making up for lost time. I mean, he's got eight points in five games since his return. He's looking great alongside Dubois and Connor. I mean, and on top of that, he remains on the Jets first power play unit. Like, listen, as evidenced by his play, I, you know, even I, to a certain extent, was worried, missed a lot of time, sports hernia. It's not exactly a fun thing to go through. It's something that can re-aggravate fairly quickly. Um, but you know what? I mean, obviously, he's looked very strong coming out of the gates here. And, I mean, that Winnipeg team is kind of looking real, real solid as it is right now uh, with all aspects of their game. And now you're kind of adding a score of Ehlers ilk it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what these Jets can do in the second half of the season. As I mean, you could argue that right now they're Canada's best uh, uh, best chance at it when it comes to the playoffs for sure. And the reason I, I say that, guys, you can throw the Leafs in there, you can throw the Oilers in there if you want. <laughs> but right now, team game, total team game, offense, defense, goaltending, consistency. The Jets have it. Yeah, the Jets have it right now for sure. Yeah. And adding in Ehlers to this whole situation is yeah. quite interesting to say the least for sure um moving on from my beauties this week guys we're getting into, into something a little bit messy my beast hmm. this week isn't so much an individual person as it is an organization we've talked about them before uh not in the best of light and we will not be talking about them in the best of light again this time around either guys we're talking about the vancouver canucks uh this this is getting a little bit ugly um you know, I'm yeah. everything from, you know, JT Miller acting like a friggin' baby anytime that the cameras are on him to a what it sounds like the lamest duck coach you can ever have uh, in the National Hockey League as it seems that news has leaked out that they're going to be bringing in Rick Tockett into Vancouver. Uh, and, and the only reason why he's not coming any sooner than the next four weeks is that basically he needs to finish out his time with TNT. Or at least that's the what I've that's heard so far. Anyways, yeah. um, on top of everything, the team is not playing well. Um, you know, there are questions in regards to uh, Tanner Pearson's injury and how it was handled. Yeah, that com that that comes out uh, from Quinn Hughes. You know, a player on the roster. It listen, I I don't know what 
what to really say here, guys, other than there needs to be a, a cleaning of the house. And I mean, I don't know if that means particular players. I don't know if that uh, means staff that is, you know, in, in Tanner uh, Pearson's case, uh, medical staff. Listen, th 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 this has gotten ugly. Uh, this has gotten ugly in a real, real hurry. And, you know, we, we talk we talk about stuff being toxic every once in a while. And boy, oh boy, is this, is this ever toxic right now? Because I, I just, I mean, the season is over. The season is done. I mean, you're, you're, there's not much really to play for other than literal jobs uh, for these players. But I mean, I, I don't know, Marty, what's your take on what's going on out there right now? Uh, it feels like, just pure chaos. I, I would really, <clears throat> on the one hand, I would love to be a fly on the wall. On the other hand, I really would not. Um, I'm, I, I don't think it must suck to be, um, <laughs> must suck to be Joel right now. Um, this is not where the team was supposed to be. Like if, if you were to talk to a, a Canucks fan two years ago, they were excited for the future. Um, mm. If you were to tell them two years from now, you know, where are the Canucks? This is not even remotely close to how it would have been drawn out. Um, do I? I don't. I, I, the 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 coaching change inevitable. Um, nothing you can do about it. A hundred percent justified uh, or not justified. It doesn't matter. Uh, you need a, you need a coaching change. Is Rick Tockett the answer? I don't think so. I don't know why. I don't know why he's the go-to. I don't know what makes him stand out above every other option that could possibly be out there. But regardless, it doesn't matter. You, you need somebody to coach the team. And why not Reg Talkett? So for as much why, why not? Um, the whole thing with Oliver ekman Larson, that because that tugged on a lot of people's heartstrings, that's what's the most concerning about this season for me in terms of Vancouver and the overhanging umbrella on this, or, or not umbrella, dark cloud. It seems like this is so much more than just uh, bad play on the ice. The, the play on the ice has nothing to do with what's really going on in this team. The play on the ice is a reflection of what's going on with the team behind closed doors, which means nothing positive is happening to this team right now and it's going in that direction still there's nothing to veer it off its current course why are we waiting to make any other kinds of moves i don't know any way you slice it this is a shitty organization to be a fan for right now i'm not saying you should give up i'm not saying you should jump ship but there's what are you holding on to as a fan what are you holding on to this year you've got Brand new contracts on players that are acting like goddamn assholes. You've got players who you feel for emotionally, but know that they should be playing so much better and they're just not playing any better. You've got players who are just sort of in limbo having good seasons. Elias Peterson is having a really good season, but it's going to be all for naught. You know you're not making the playoffs. There's nothing to grab a hold on to for this year. And I'm afraid to say for next year and the, possibly the foreseeable future, I don't know what kind of right sharp right turn this team needs to take, but it needs to happen the sooner the better. Really, I guess at this point, because things have gone so wrong, at any given point is a welcome, but I, the sooner the better. I mean, 
and and the 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 other big thing is the fact that they it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to retain Bo Bo Horvat in any any way. No, uh, and a lot of it obviously has to come uh, down to the fact that they signed J T Miller, and again, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse again. I know we talked about them uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. And listen, they, they th- this is a guy that, <laughs> I mean, that's eight years coming up, man. And you're going to have a hard time trading this guy. So things have to, have to, have to figure themselves out in one way, shape, or form. And right now, I just don't see that path. I just don't see it at all. No. And no. And that's a dark place for any fan. Uh, to be in, uh, in particular, obviously, if you're a Canucks fan right now, I mean, I, I don't. If I'm a Canucks fan, I, I don't even know where to go right now. Like, no, you're you're so kind of in the middle. I mean, you, you would certainly have to start any kind of a rebuild, you know, by moving Bo, Bo Horvat. Like, to to me, with with everything the way it is, like I, I won't even go into detail, but just that that whole umbrella or umbrella or dark cloud, whatever you want to, uh, whatever you want to say, it is, it's it's so convoluted right now. It's not even funny. Like where they are right now, they have to trade Bo, Bo Horvat at the deadline. Like uh, uh, no matter, oh, yeah. no matter how that is going to hit their fan base, and it's going to be devastating. Like I mean, yep, the guy the guy is is absolutely lighting it up. I mean. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he's top five in goals uh, in the league for the year. Like, it's just, it can't Sucks. be going any more wrong for the Vancouver Canucks than it is right now. It's just <laughs> so bad. It's unbelievable. But listen, go out and get something for it because at the end of the day, they traded Gretzky. They can trade Horvat, and it's fine. Uh, it is. It's time to move on. Um, in my opinion, trade him, change your fucking logo. <laughs> Get rid of that stupid fucking whale. C, idiotic, 19s. It was ugly in the 1990s. It's horrendous now. Get rid of it. Start scratching. Just do the classic stick green logo. Like, that's beautiful. Go to that and just revamp the entire thing. This needs to be like a whole new world for this team because the current one you're in, like you said, you don't even know how to get out. of. I know. That's the thing. It's such a dark place right now. Um, Kill it all and and start everything from scratch. And yeah, start with Horvat and the fucking logo. Get rid of that goddamn logo. (laughs) Marty's Fashion Corner brought to you by DraftKings. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I am not the only one. I guarantee <laughs> no, you, I'm not. not the only one who feels that way. No, I, I, no, I do love that sweater as well, and it should be changed. <laughs> yeah, done. Absolutely. Um, so we're on to my beauties. You goddamn right, we are. All right, <laughs> that's good. Settle down. All right, so <laughs> uh, my first beauty. I know this is this is Seattle heavy, folks, because um, I had mentioned it to Ian uh, on yeah, Twitter man. that there was something going on with this team, so I wanted to jump all over it. So and I am Dave Haxall. Doesn't play a game, but he coaches one hell of a team. Um, I picked him basically for becoming exactly what Seattle needed. And I mean, at first, I was really focused on what was happening with Shane Wright. And honestly, many were. Um, as that situation goes on, and I still feel that it wasn't necessarily dealt with the right way. But all that aside, it could very well be due to the fact that Seattle was 18-10 and 10 by the end of November. So this team overachieved early and haven't really looked back. 
They're they're operating on, like I mentioned before, too, they're operating on 72% of their salary cap, meaning they definitely should be buyers at the trade deadline. Or do you not screw around with the chemistry? Part of the reason for handling the Shane Wright situation, maybe? I don't know. Uh, But this team got better over the summer, sure. But make no mistake, Haxel is as much the reason for their success as any moves in the the offseason. In fact, I'd go even one further and say, this is Haxel's team. This is Haxel's system. And it is fucking working. Um, I do remember the hiring of Haxel and feeling very much like, what? Him? Mm-hmm. Out of all the options? Especially with the way things were left with Philadelphia. But I had to look at it. He was actually in the playoffs two out of the four years in Philly. So not necessarily that bad. However, it just like it, I think that was more, my feelings towards Haxel were more related to the Flyers as it was to Haxel. And I didn't know it at the time. Because clearly Haxall, unless he just really needs a specific type of team to coach to appear brilliant, he appears freaking brilliant right now. He doesn't look like he can miss a shift. Every time he does something, it looks right. So I kind of have to give tip my hat to Haxall, and that's why he's my first beauty. Well, I mean, listen, we were very critical of him at the beginning of the year, and I still would have preferred, I think, others in that position as a head coach but i will say that i will say this you mentioned it right off the top he's a coach he's not on the ice but he's got those players that are on the ice playing well i mean Mm. again no matter which way you want to look at it he is getting the most out of that lineup yeah which Uh, is saying a lot you know like Second year in, it wasn't exactly the greatest first year. It certainly wasn't anything uh, comparative to uh, Vegas, that's for sure. Um, but you know what? They, it kind of goes back to this Boston game, right? Right almost back to the to the top of the show. It's the way they kind of went in there. 2 nothing, yeah. Just in and out. Done deal. Doing biz- just, get business done. Getting it done. Doing it. Like, like dude, seven games on the road and they sweeped it all like you got to start thinking about that a little bit like they went into seven different barns and left with wins like guys we are talking about the seattle kraken here like we're not talking about you know colorado avalanche going on a huge run or uh the almost undefeated boston bruins is like we're talking about the seattle kraken here you look up and down that lineup okay there's a lot of serviceable parts but my lord this is this is quite the run that they've been on. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this from Seattle. Uh, I certainly didn't. I can say that. Like, they're not just hanging around here. Like, they're pushing the pace. And somewhere along the line, whether it's Hackstall himself and you want to kind of heap all the praise on him, you know, you got to certainly, I would assume, you know, be looking at the rest of the coaching staff as well. But this is the guy that's kind of the, the, the lead dog of the, of the coaching pack. And, you know, he's getting the best out of this bunch. So, I mean, he deserves to be a beauty. We kind of, yeah. you know, whipped him in the shape and, 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 and gave him what he needed. You know, I'm sure that he listens to our podcast on a weekly loves basis. Loves it, so. loves it. Get texts so, you know, from all the time. Friend, friend of the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so good on him. Good on the team. I mean, we have gone all out on the Seattle crack in this episode. And why not, go with, another, why not go with another Absolutely. one here? 
Oh, we're not done. We got two more back to back. Vince oh, Dunn. We mentioned beauty. him earlier. Vince Dunn. Oh. Okay, let's just talk about some numbers. Six game point streak with seven assists and three goals. And if we take it back three more games, he's at 13 points in nine games with a plus 20 in that span. What more could you want from a D man? He's doing everything while averaging 23 minutes per game. I love to see it from a young defenseman. He's 26, and I think I might just keep him for next year. He wasn't necessarily on my radar to keep, but I will say I had him last year, and I was pretty happy with him last year, and he was on my radar for this year. Now that I've got him again, I'm getting close to thinking that if this is the Seattle Kraken team, I want, and Vince Dunn is a big piece of that, I want to keep Vince Dunn on my team because this kid can score. Um, just like I, I know I, I mentioned some of the numbers there, but I think I don't know that I touched on his overall numbers for this year. For us personally on our league, he's got 38 and 42, but overall it's 31 and 42. Seven goals and 24 assists. He's on pace for 13 and 46 for 59 and 81 at 26. Now, listen, I know this isn't, these aren't Cal McCarr numbers, but this is. Those numbers are as good as you can hope for from a defenseman. He's doing it all, and uh, if for some reason he's available in your league, he shouldn't be. You should consider leaving that league because you're in a bad league. But if he is, win that league before you leave because Vince Dunn is going to do exactly that for you. He's that kind of player. I mean, Marty, you kind of said it right there. Nail, hit the nail right on the head. The guy has been scoring at a pretty good pace. Like, he's hot right now. And that team hot. is hot right now. So, I mean, it, it's no re, no uh, coincidence that both are on a kind of bit of a hot streak at the same time. And like you said, Dunn's going to be a big part of this. I mean, he was certainly mm-hmm. a piece that they targeted in the expansion draft. Um, he's still the young guy at 26 years old. There's a lot of years left here. Um, I actually don't know what the situation is with his contract. I'd have to check that out. But, I mean, irregardless, what's going on right now, you want to run with that when it comes to Vince Dunn. He's been playing extremely well for your lineup for sure. Um, I'd be lying if I said I haven't kept an eye on him myself. So he may not end up on your team by the end of the year. We'll see how that all plays out. But, uh, hey, listen, Vince Dunn, you got to get this guy in your lineup right now. It doesn't matter what league you're in head-to-head or... um, or daily fantasy he's that hot right now he is on what we like to call a heater he is an rfa last year so last year of a contract so restricted free agent um i he will get a raise i don't a little bit seattle letting him walk um with 22 million in cap space doesn't make any sense to me um he seems to be a very important part of this of this team and again at 26, um, so I can see him getting a raise um, and signing long-term. I think he likes it there, too. I think everybody who plays for Seattle, I think they like being in Seattle. How could you not? It's Seattle. It's gorgeous there. I know it rains, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, I should probably visit Seattle. <laughs> I say it's gorgeous. Well, we'll do a program there. there. We'll go We'll go with the boys from the Kraken Knights. We'll, nice. we'll meet them there. We'll meet them there that'd for the nice. Winter Classic. There you go. Oh, Done. that'd be... Oh, oh perfect. That's... Nice to have dreams. Um, Matty Beniers is another one. Uh, Three goals, three assists in his last four games, but overall his game has elevated so quickly. And how can one deny that he's a huge reason for why Seattle is where they are at currently? Having Matty this good, this fast, means so much to Seattle going forward. There's more to invest in and more more reason to invest in it now. 
There's long-term success written all over this team, and Beniers is definitely a big part of that. He is going to be at front, not maybe front and center, but in the middle of that. He's very important to this team, um, and he's showing why they went out and got him and the hope that they had. Again, this is a team that I feel is kind of overachieving quickly. Um, I, I feel that that's even wrong to say. I don't know that this is overachieving. I just think this, they really took me by surprise this year. I just didn't see it this year. Um, so maybe that's more accurate than saying that they're overachieving. But Matty Beniers, like, just what a friggin' talent he is. I wish I had him. I think Scott has him, right? Actually, it's Tom now after that trade. Oh, the trade. That's right. It's Tom. Good for you, that's Tom. Right. That's a long-term it, keeper right there. Absolutely. And I mean, look... I, the, the kids come in, he's, he's played extremely well. I mean, they've done right by him. They, they brought him along uh, perfectly. I mean, I think it's a case where we just didn't expect it to. I mean, the timeline for the team has been moved up, and Berniers has a lot of yeah. uh, a lot to do with that, um, you know, along with some of their other forwards. I mean, they made some astute moves. I mean, let, let's call it what it is. I mean, you're, you go out and you get a guy like uh, uh, Andre Burakovsky. I mean, look, again, not a world beater. But the guy's won a Stanley Cup. He's been through the, the, the trenches. He's been through uh, the, the most difficult part of an NHL season. And he's able to bring that to the, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, it, it doesn't have to always be like a Mark Messier type of guy that comes in there. You know, like, I mean, he, he doesn't have to be a raw, raw, raw guy to, to lead by example. If he goes out there and he, and I, and I mean, by extension here, we're talking about Burakovsky. He's actually had a pretty decent year. And there's several other forwards on that roster, McCann, Eberly. You know, these are guys yeah. that they're, they're, they're not top 10 in league scoring here, but they're getting the job done. And, you know, we went over a lot of numbers here earlier on in the show in regards to goals for and against, and they're just getting the job done right now. And you know what? Beneers is a huge part of that moving forward. You know, you as it stands right now, he's going to be their number one center here for years to come. And, uh, you know, with Shane Wright in the waiting in the wings oh, here yeah. as well. I mean, the, the future certainly looks bright for Seattle and most certainly for Matty Beneers as well. Absolutely. And like for fantasy owners out there, um, there, you've got a lot to pick up or sorry to pick from, I should say. Um, cause this team is like we, we said earlier on, this is one of the hottest teams, uh, scoring wise. So there's a lot to, uh, lot to chew on, on this team and might have been nervous front and center on that one. Um, in terms of not doing anything though, here's my beast. Um, okay. Tara Vannon. Tara Vannon, so uh, we're going to start with a little bit of positive. He's actually kind of hot right now. He's got two assists in his last three games. So that's hot for him um, because his season is terrible. Three goals and 14 assists in 33 games. On a really potent offensive team, I might add, too. So uh, this is this is the kind of guy who last season with 65 points, I, he kind of averages somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 20 goals. That's kind of what you expect out of him. I don't see him getting there this year. And in fact, the 65 points he put up last year, I don't see he, he doesn't come anywhere close to that. There is, I wouldn't say the expectations for him coming into the season were outlandish. I think people kind of expected him to continue to do what he's doing, which is Anywhere between 60 and 70 points. Even He's only done the 70 points thing once. So I would say 60 to 65 points in this season. I think that was reasonable to expect, again, from a very potent offense and from a guy who was supposed to be given, well, he is, he's getting top six minutes. He's just not doing any of it, though. Uh, he may have fallen out of his top six minutes now as a result of it. 
I don't know what the issue is. I don't know why the huge drop-off, none of it really makes any sense to me. Um, but if he's a guy that you've currently, he's he, there it is. He's at the top line playing with Aho and Jarvis. And he's also power play unit, second power play unit, unit but uh, still with surrounded by some great players. There is no reason for this kind of a drop-off other than maybe a hidden secret uh, injury that's just not obvious to anybody. Anyways, if you can get rid of him for anything, take it. If you're lucky that someone's offering you something for it, take it. Otherwise, just look forward to dropping him because I don't know how you can trust him at this point. Definitely not this season. And I don't know about going forward. He's a late-round pick next year if he's available. Well, I mean... When it comes to fantasy, he's probably getting pretty close to droppable at this point, especially with what what is out there. In particular, in our our league, there's definitely some players that could replace him and his production for sure. Um, when it comes to real life, this is definitely the type of guy that, l- listen, you're looking at a 5'11 guy, 191 pounds, 28 years old, right? So guy's got a lot of jam that you would have to hope anyway left. So when it comes to the Hurricanes and their situation with this player, he's certainly the type of guy that you hope you know, has a, has some decent production in here in the second half and really kind of comes alive for you in the playoffs, right? Because this is a guy, like you mentioned, you know, he's had a high of 76 points in 82 games. So he, I mean, he can play. The guy can play. The guy can put the puck in the net. He can score. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not this kind of third line plugger kind of deal, right? Right. But because of the fact that the Hurricanes have such a plethora of options uh, to go with in their lineup. I mean, you got to remember here, they went out and got Max Pacioretty for absolutely nothing uh, from yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights. So there's going to be a lot of options when everybody's healthy here in the whole nine yards. Does he slip into kind of like, you know, uh, onto the wing on the second line? Uh, you know, does he make, make up some sort of He might awesome fall further. Does, I was just going to say, does he make up part of a, uh, a threesome that's a great uh, third uh, third liner in the playoff. You, you just don't know, but you mm. have to hope you can kind of get that from him. He's because he's he's basically that kind of guy, right? Like if he doesn't do much the rest of the year, you know that the Canes can handle it. I mean, they have already. So yeah, exactly. What you're kind of hoping for is a nice little you know magic you know magic in a bottle here for for this guy leading leading up to the playoffs and into the playoffs you would have to hope so anyway that's where you want it especially from a guy that's got a track record like him but at the current moment like you mentioned it's been a bit of a struggle for this guy this year i mean 33 games played 17 points it it certainly isn't uh in his wheelhouse and he and on top of that he is playing less minutes uh than he has over the past couple of years as well i mean he's just right around that kind of a 16 minute mark so he's lost the trust He's got two years left yeah. on his contract, full no no move clause, and that's that's fine. Um, but I see I see this being really bad for him going forward, unless, like you said, unless there's something magical that happens in the playoffs, um, his next contract won't be as hefty as it is right now. He's doing five point four. I don't know that he gets that he even sniffs that coming out of Carolina unless something happens in the playoffs. If if he can't. This this is basically kind of, uh, I don't want to say like a last chance, but what I mean is, you know, that's such a talented lineup, Marty, that if he can't make it kind of work again or kind of find that again, it's they like, don't need it. It's like, mm, 
you know, the, the only other benefit you could say to yourself is, okay, maybe he's being buried with all of that ta- talent now and he's not getting the time that he used to, or he's, you know what I mean? That's the only other thing could you be. could look at. It's the only other thing you could look at, but as it stands right now, like you say, he's definitely uh beast material, especially with the uh, play and his production this year, comparative to what uh, we've, yeah. we've come to expect from this player. Exactly. Yeah. And that's to me, that's biggest reason why I was holding out. I wanted to put him as my beast a couple of times this year, but I kept holding out because I felt like, nah, I mean, the second I do this, he's probably going to turn around and and I'm going to look like an idiot. It's late enough in the season now that even if it does come, it was definitely worthy of at least one beast positioning just because this has gone on for too long with three goals and 14 assists in 30 some odd games. It's completely unacceptable. Um, like you, you can turn you, it around, and, and he might, even if he finishes a point of game, which he won't, but even if he finishes a point of game the rest of the season, he's still that, – that is the almost that's, – that's pretty much the only way he lands where he's expected to be at the beginning of the season, which is in the 60-point range, is that he's got to finish this back end a point a game. 40-some-odd games left, and he's got, what is it, 17 points? That's where he needs to be, and that ain't going to happen. We are going to find out shortly if the Apocalypse are going to hang on to this player or if they are going to move on True, with something else. It'll be in the third round. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because I have both now. (laughs) I have invested interest now. I didn't before. Yes, you Uh, did, My trade never went through, so there's no no announcement at the end of the show, unfortunately. My lord. Uh, My lord. Sorry. Not that I... Not that it got rejected. It's I haven't heard back. So no, no, we're uh, you're you're in the works. You're in the works. So it's still in the works. For and sure. there's another one in the bag, my friend. Done. Nicely and, done. And I also. Am- Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you are interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G A L A G. Thanks for listening, and until next time.